You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hello and welcome to Gobbler Country's Talking Turkey. This is uh, the first of our regular basketball podcast with uh, my co-host Brian Manning and Jahar Ali. How are you guys doing tonight? Doing good, Jahar. Doing Doing just as good as Brian. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, we're we're fine. What what we're going to talk about tonight is two really sort of disappointing. Not really embarrassing because it is a really young team, but really disappointing half games that the basketball team played at two away locations and two games that they should have won. So uh, first game was the BC game where we really played a really good first half and then sort of melted into nothingness in the second half and kind of gave the game away. So I'm going to turn it over to you guys about the BC game. And then we'll take pick it up with the uh, with the Miami game, right? So, like you said, um, the Hokies really stumbled in the second half. They leading tw- thirty one to twenty six after the first half, and sort of like they were up like twenty one ten or something. And after that, BC started chipping away at that lead, and Virginia Tech never really got another hold on the game. I mean, they they were leading, but they never really cemented their lead and ran away with it like they should have because they are the superior team to Boston College. And it's sort of like a culmination of the last three games that Tech had played because you have this loss against Syracuse and then the very close win over pretty much a bad UNC team in double overtime. But those were both by two points, so you know it's a toss-up either way. But now BC, and then we'll talk about the Miami game later, it was just bad. You know, they started turning the ball over, which they haven't been doing. For the majority of the season, they started getting killed on the glass. Their efficiency wasn't there from three-point range. I think they only shot like one of nine. Maybe in the half was that what? Yeah, thirty percent from three. So that's not the formula for winning for this team, and it hasn't been even when Buzz was here. They got to make their three pointers. They can't turn the ball over. They got to rebound at a proficient rate. Even though teams are definitely going to have a rebound percentage over fifty-five to sixty on them. And what do you think about? the last two games, Brian? Yeah, the, the thing, the key thing for me is what you said about three-pointers. We agree on that. And, then, and of course, the rebounding because, you know, we, we know we're at a size disadvantage every time, but we've, we've actually held up pretty well because of Radford's played unbelievably. But the biggest thing for me is the turnovers. I know we had against, in this particular game we're talking about, we had 14 turnovers and 11 assists. That's not Virginia Tech. That's really horrendous, honestly. Yeah. 
just not what we're used to. And and we know as as a point as a point guard, Beatty's better than that. We know he's not a scorer, but we know he's better than that with the turnovers. And it just uh, was the difficult. I think that I think Nolly was the the biggest culprit on turnovers. Though he was he was really bad in that game. I thought. What what did you think of his play? Um. Yeah, Nolly when his three point shot isn't going now, he can sort of become a chucker and force up at the rim and some contested twos, which is not what you want. Uh, reading by the box score, Nolly had four turnovers in the Boston College game after coming off the bench. Um, with I forget who it was. Was it Nolly and um? Was it Radford? Well, maybe was it Radford? Or was it Naheem Allen? It might be. It might have been Radford. Yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to. It was one of those two. Yeah, um, but Nolly only had 15 points on 17 shots, which isn't great. He got to the line once for two free throw attempts. That's not going to get it done. And when you bring up Tyree Stratford, it's really funny because they're literally putting him in the dunker spot against zone defenses and forcing him to finish over big men and he's like six one. He's got bounce, but he's only six one. Like it's amazing what Mike you Mike Young has done as a to use Radford as a chess piece like that. It hasn't been the most effective, but I mean, you know, what can you do hey, when you're uh, sort of... well you guys both brought up something very critical that I noticed in the BC game. What was the standing scoring difference in the BC game? <clears throat> Free throws. This team, for the last few games, has been shooting terribly from the charity strike. It's awful. When you're below 50%, you're at 50 or below from the charity strike, you are really in trouble shooting. Yeah, and we were actually, you, you called that, we were, we were right at 50% that game, but we only had 10 attempts. I think the thing that stands out to me, BC had 27 attempts and only hit 11 of them. I mean, yeah, and, but but that that's what I mean. It's just like, look, if they're doing terrible – from the foul foul line, and and you can at least hit the the eighty percent that you're supposed to be hitting. We would have won that basketball game. Yeah, we we did. They did everything they could to give us that game, and we still couldn't take it. <clears throat> yeah, well, that seems to be a a universal package. And and let's step to the next game. I mean, I knew it was over. I knew the Miami game was over at the halftime. I, mean, I I don't know, Jahar, if you were looking at the tweets, but it was like... Yeah, no, 44-25 at halftime. You're not going to overcome uh, that. It's kind of embarrassing because Miami was missing Chris Likes, who is their, I think, their best, like, all-around just scorer, even though he's, like, what, 5'7", five, 5'8". Five, yeah. Yeah, he's he's given the Hokies problems in the past. In 2017, I think he crossed up Justin Robinson and earned free throws, even though it was, like, a BS call by the refs. Um, to win that game so without him I mean you're t- looking for DJ Vasilevich who's been a three-point shooter the entirety of his career he's had a couple decent nights against the Hokies but that night he had he went seven of 16 for 18 points not that great but he made his impact on the glass with seven boards then you got Miller Jr. who also put up put in 11 points efficiently Beverly and Wong and you know these are basically a bunch of players that, you know, they're not that talented. But if I was looking at the play-by-play because I, I couldn't see the game because of our lovely dispute with Comcast. Couldn't see the game, but you could track it pretty well on Yahoo Tracker. And, you know, they, they, they do the play-by-play, and, and it doesn't take too much imagination to sit there and 
watch in your head what's going on. And, and it was really frustrating watching what was happening because you would see uh, turnover. Uh, we'd get a rebound, turnover. We'd get a rebound, uh, missed shot. We'd get a rebound, bad three-point shot. And, and, you know, I would love to see some – I would have loved to have seen some of the shots taken because I get the feeling, you know, when you're in Castle and you're sitting like in the ends and you can watch the shooting form of somebody as they're taking a shot, it's always kind of interesting because you could tell when the ball comes out of somebody's hand whether it's going to go whether it's got a better than even chance of going in the basket. And you know, you, I'm, I'm looking at these guys going. I can see them. They're going up and they're taking. They're, they're just taking wild shots. They're they're just taking shots at the at the just just going from downtown trying to hit it, doing anything they can to break the ice or, or you know pop the lid off the bucket. And and it just it's just kind of that self that self reinforcing feedback loop that they just get into that that cycle where that they take a bad shot they get frustrated and they take a worse shot the next time, but then they're trying to, to then they start taking too long to get to shots and then they don't give themselves enough time to get in good body position to get the shot up again. Yeah, it's just it, it it seemed to be that way from the from the typed play by play i i I, and and when i talked to people actually saw the game they were saying exactly what i was seeing in in that uh in the play by play it was exactly that stuff that they were they were noodle handed they weren't controlling the ball well they weren't their body control was bad they their energy was low and that sort that sort of tempo is kind of the point guard's job to handle and bd had like the worst game of his career I'd say with one point, um, one point six turnovers. He had eight assists, but when you only have one point as a point guard, it's really hard to distribute the ball really well when you're not collapsing the defense and putting pressure on the defense at the rim to score. And I would love to see BD be more aggressive at the rim because I think he can finish at the rim. He's got the first step to blow by defenders. It's all about just him deciding not to pass it out sometimes and just finishing. Um, Get a man to rotate well, over, get out threat. to an open shooter that way. You know, I, I agree with you. It's, but it, but it, it's like the quarterback that, that you, you run a read option. There's no threat to run. It kills the play. If you, the defense knows he's not going to run. So so with a point guard, if you know the point guard is not going to shoot or if he's not going to do it well, then you can defend against his passing. A point guard that can shoot. Also from the perimeter, um, instantly puts pressure on the defense as soon as that player crosses like 25 feet away because now the spacing opens up and now there's more space for the players down low to operate. Players aren't getting contested as heavy. Uh, there's more room for backdoor cuts and stuff, which BD is excellent at hitting. So, I mean, it's a part of his game that obviously is a flaw, but if he just got better at it going into next year when he's a senior and make all the difference in the world if he's a starter. And we actually have that point guard who can shoot in, in Jalen Cohn. Yeah, but he, Jalen Cohn. But he, was, uh, um, he had his worst game probably since uh, ACC play started. I think he only played like 10, 12, like 15 minutes. And yeah, 15 minutes. He had minutes. no points. Yeah, and he's missed both shots. He took two threes, missed both, and had three fouls, I think, was so – was was his worst game as far as and that that set us back a little bit because we got next to nothing offensively from the point guard spot. 
All right. John. Well, yeah. uh, now now we're gonna we gotta take our break, but uh, we'll be back. We're gonna talk about what's gonna happen over the next couple of games, and we come home for one game, and then then go away for a game, and then have a three game stretch. So uh, let's go away for a commercial, and we'll be back in a in a few. Welcome back to Talking Turkey. Before the break, we went over the Hokies' last two games, which were unfortunate losses to Boston College and Miami, both which the Hokies actually played well in one half in each of those games with the BC game. It was a disastrous second half, and with Miami, it was a disastrous first half. And with those games, are in the rearview mirror. And up next for the Hokies this weekend in Blacksburg is a meeting with the current fifth-ranked Florida State Seminoles, who – won't be fifth when the new rankings come out because they lost the other night, but that's the next game on the schedule. A good team. What is your guys' impression of Florida State, and what what do you believe the Hokies must do to win this basketball game? I think Florida State's only lost to the Hokies once since 2014, and a big reason for that is just because they're just long across the board. I mean, two years ago they had – Chris Kamaji, who's like a 7'4 guy, and it was hilarious seeing him tip off against like Zach Waday, who's like 6'6. So he's got like a foot taller. He's a foot taller than him. But that length really bothers the Hokies because it makes contesting shots easier for Florida State from the three point line, and it doesn't allow you to finish at the rim as easy. So that's going to be the main matchup in Florida State. They're 19th in Ken Palm. They have the 42nd overall offense, 26th overall defense. They have only lost three games all year. They just lost on the road to UVA midweek by five, I think. Yeah. So they, they, very... actually led, they actually led most of that game too. Yeah, no, but UVA for some reason always plays FSU tough. They just like – they like the grinding it out um, kind of play, and that's what FSU had to do, and they lost because of it. Well, not because of it, but they lost in a game where that was being played. So, I mean, it'll be interesting to see if this year's any difference under Mike Young, but my guess is it won't be. Florida State's probably going to be a little ticked off that they gave the one away in Charlottesville. So they'll probably come in with confidence that they can take care of business against the Hokies team that has not played well in the last three games. Yeah, they always seem to have like three seven-footers who can who can move. Was it, was well, yeah, you can – there's there's very little in basketball that substitutes for tall. I mean, you don't you don't even have to be particularly agile or good if you're standing flat-footed and you can stick your hand up above the rim. You're you're you know that's a whole quality all its own. Uh, I mean, for any of us that saw Manute Bowl play basketball, he was not the best dribbler. He was not the best shooter. But Manuk Bowl was was you know he could literally just put the ball in the basket. He had to jump or anything. He just had to put the ball in the basket. So I think FSU has three players over under six five on their roster. While Tech might have only three players over six five on their roster. That that's insane. And in that's the not ideal. <laughs> yeah, it's like a pro. That's like a pro lineup in a college game, man. You know, yeah. I, I it, to to win. Tech is going to have to move quickly, get into position quickly, get have positive offensive control over the ball and get the ball up as fast as possible accurately. And they're going to have to 
they're going to have to play some rebounding games, and, and it's going to have to be a run and gun game. It, I, they're and they're going to have to hit, and they're going to have to hit from three point range. Yeah, if they the can. lid goes on, if the lid goes on out in, 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 for the three point shots, that's it. Yeah, the key Over. of the game is three point shooting. I mean, if we if we can hit 10, 12 three pointers, which we can do, we have a chance to win this game. If we if we don't, if we shoot like we did against BC or whatever, then they're they're going to run us out of out of the gym and hit the foul shots. They've got to hit the because because they got to get to the foul line first too. I mean, it just seems like last remember couple a tall, but a tall teams have a tendency to foul a lot. So you, you know, you you do if you're playing well and you're playing inside well, you can draw the fouls that will eventually get you to the charity stripe. Yeah, another thing is when you're a team who relies so much on the three-point shot, you don't get as many opportunities to foul them because you're not driving as much. So That's right. So that's uh So they're going to have to chance inside. They're going to have to draw fouls. They've got to try to 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 score fast as they can, but when they have to slow it down, they're going to have to get to the point where they understand that maybe shooting inside isn't getting the shot, maybe shooting inside is drawing the foul and grabbing the one-and-one one in a penalty situation. I do wonder if FSU is going to start start this game in zone or man. I think they played a lot of man at UVA, and UVA doesn't really have um, a top-tier scorer. I think he Clark led the team in scoring well on Wednesday. Um, and the Hokies don't really have anyone besides Nolly, who's a really um, proficient scorer. And even then, he's been inefficient the last few games. So FSU could easily play man-to-man to get away with it. Especially with a guy like MJ Walker on the wing, who was originally recruited by Virginia Tech when Buzz was here in um, Nikhil Alexander Walker's class and Beattie's class. And he's been an all-star player for them. He's been really good. He could probably take care of Nolly on the defensive end. Yeah, I remember. I thought we were going to get MJ Walker that time. I mean, it would have been a hell of a position. That, that, at some particular point in time, somebody's going to have to add at least three kids that are over six six or six seven uh, to the squad, and um, I don't know where Young's going to find them. I know a couple of the new recruits coming up are a little bit bigger than we have had traditionally, but again, then you're also bringing them in as freshmen, and they are young and inexperienced. So, you know how 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 much time is that going to net on the floor? Uh, I, I I don't know. I, and I don't know. Okay, now this is my personal observation and, and something we can kind of leave thought with. When did this really bad crap started to hap- start to happen? It seems like after the Carolina win and Nolly's old man piped up and bragged about Nolly going to the N- NBA and screw any more eligibility and everything else, it seems like some wind came out of the balloon. There seemed to be a, a, a real letdown that suddenly happened in the team's energy level. You know, I don't know if... I, I mean, part of that if, is going on the road, too. Yeah, I don't know if going on the road helped it at all. You're right, Jahar. But, and uh, a young team is always going to play better at home. Yeah, I so... Mean, so I think somebody needs to shake that off. And, and of course, the NCAA is going to have to go to Nolly's old man and tell him to put a cork in it because he could get Nolly uh, ineligible for anything. 
to finish the season or anything because because you're not supposed to be playing that kind of sort of game. Uh, I mean, he he's he has to be that. He has to be the scorer for this team. For this yeah, team he's got to be focused on basketball. He, he's he's our scoring engine. He's the kid that's going to keep us in these games with these bigger teams. I mean, against Michigan State, that's what he did. He kept us in the game and eventually won it for us. Yeah. So we need him focused on being a Hokie and being a basketball player for the Hokies, not thinking about the NBA draft. And and we see how the NBA draft, show, you know, ends up that, – that whole thing ends up. Almost nobody succeeds except for a few people. I mean, look at Robinson. Didn't even get drafted. He thought he was going to get a prime walk-on, and now he's playing for some minor league team. Uh, yeah, he's with the Delaware Blue Coats, Delaware, yeah, Blue Jackets yeah. or whatever it is. So, but um, I think Nolly's focused on being a hokey. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd I like to. I'd like to make sure that. that maybe you know getting him pumped back up again, seeing the crowd at Lane, you know, it, 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 it the castle, and you know the Lane Stadium thing in the background, and and all the kids on campus coming to the game. I think I think maybe get him pump back up again, get him back and get his head back into being a hokey. So well <laughs> as as my health and and our time deteriorates, um anybody got any observations on what's coming up? We got uh after FSU, which none of us really expect is gonna be a win. Uh I mean there's a chance there. There really is. We just talked about it, but uh, we have we have three home games. We have Georgia Tech on the road, which is a winnable game. And then we have three home games of which are repeats of what we just played. So anybody got any predictions on what we see as far as the next four games go? Ideally, you, the Hokies can, will probably lose to Boston, to Florida State, and then they'll hopefully beat Georgia Tech, who, again, they're better than. Then they get BC and Pitt at home. BC is going to be a, quote-unquote, revenge game. Um, so, you know, if you can split a season series with them, that's not the worst thing. So, ideally, they would be 2-1 and one over the next three. Then Pitt's going to be a really tough opponent. Pitt actually beat Fort State in their opening game this year um, as underdogs, home underdogs. And then they host Miami again. And who knows if Chris Likes will be there for that one. So, I mean, there's a little bit of uncertainty. Um, it all depends on, like, you know, home court advantage, which Hokie team shows up at home, um, and the injuries on the other side. I, the Hokies got to get more consistent shooting the ball um, and not turn the ball over, though. Yeah, again, yeah, those, of those five games that you talked about, four of those are at home. So, and if we can – Ideally, you'd like to get four. That you'd like to go four and one over the next five games. But as Jahar said, Pitt, Pitt is a tough opponent. We know what FSU is, and Georgia Tech's much scrappier than they've been in recent years. Uh, the Hokies are better, but Georgia Tech is a much better team than they've been. And Boston College and Miami, we should win those games, but we should have won the last two. And then, but after that, it's a tough stretch because then you have to go to Duke on the twenty second. Then you got you come home and host UVA, that is just a critical game. And then we go to Louisville and finish the season with Clemson and Notre Dame. So we need to pack a few wins here in the next couple of weeks. 
Yeah. That UVA game's going to be a must-win because it's yeah, sandwiched yeah, between Duke we, and Louisville. You can't afford to drop three straight like that. We really need to split. We need to do our best job of splitting the ACC. Uh, like I said at the beginning of the season, as we as we wrap this show up, and most of us kind of were on the same page. Was yeah, it'd be nice to have a good non-conference and split the ACC. And so far, that seems to be where this team is headed. So next week, um, we'll pick it up after uh, we'll get back together again and do our next podcast recording about midweek next week. And um, hopefully we'll have a little good news, uh, maybe a lot of good news, but but we'll get a clearer picture of where we're headed. So everybody, remember, this is a young team. There's a lot to learn for these guys, and they're playing, they're playing way better than we ever expected, and we need to just kind of keep the energy up as fans too. So – uh, until next, until the next podcast, uh, go Hokies. Go Hokies. Go Hokies.